Welcome to Much More Much Year with Pup Duffy and Kara Lane, an Aunt Imagination production. Guys, I am here with Jameson Locasio and Adam Ambrosio, and we're going to be talking about uh, your current project that is coming out September 15th on Amazon Prime. It's How Dark They Pray, and it's, a, it's an anthology. What brought you guys to where you wanted to do something along this lines with the vignettes? I know you guys have done, you've done features and you've done shorts. So where was your brain at? And you were like, hey, let's just do this one. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we had done a horror feature film prior and um, we were, you know, the pandemic had ha- was happening um, and we just started getting together a series of stories. Um, and also we had seen some anthology horror films and started talking about it as, you know, how can we do a number of things, you know, maybe like Twilight Zone or something like this, that was, you know, the, the furthest reaches of what we could possibly do that were very ambitious, but as small, small stories. And um, that's how it sort of started to come together. Yeah, um, we, uh, we, we had some stories that, you know, we wrote maybe a couple of years prior that we developed into full features. And, uh, you know, they, they were kind of just sitting there for a while. And then, yeah, I believe uh, Jameson was watching The Twilight Zone. And, uh, you know, the anthology came up and then we kind of took all these stories that, you know, we developed and that were just sitting there. We said, you know what, let's, uh, you know, let's give them a retreatment and just, you know, kind of develop them into a, an anthology. And uh, we re- rewrote them for the most part. I believe uh, two of them definitely, um, uh, Blood Beach and the Harrowing were definitely. Uh, yeah. They were once we had to re- go back and yeah, repurpose. Yeah. And then other ones. And then the other two stories we really found. I mean, it was actually perfect because Adam thought of those two stories himself. And then really the other two stories were me. Um, and then, of course, we developed them and wrote them together. So it was really a nice, you know. 50 50 in that sense of being able to write it together and then he's always the producer i'm always the director but actually in this case he actually directed one and i produced his so that was a nice flip as well so yeah right just stretch your uh skill set a little bit sounds like exactly yeah, yeah. definitely but it was good i mean uh, as jameson said you know we were in the pandemic and you know it's very easy to just sit there and just write and uh, and that's it but you know eventually you know it's kind of like an addiction. You need to get the to the climax of it, which is actually doing it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so we wanted to, you know, sharpen our teeth a little bit more, get more training in feeling that, you know, putting these all into, uh, you know, uh, into shorts really worked. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, and also in terms of what's it called in terms of putting them together, you know, I mean, they were able to be done really quick, really easy. And it was the type of thing we can do with a very small crew and have it be, you know, still effective. Um, So that's kind of really the approach that we brought. And uh, it was easier to put it together in a lot of ways. And it also had some challenges that we had never encountered before as well. As writers, I'm sure, like you said, you, you need to get to the climax of whatever you know project that you're working on but sometimes it's not a hundred it's not 120 pages and you you find yourself thinking if I push this too much it loses you know it loses its its heart so to speak no definitely um we believe in you know we're firm believers in you know not too much not too little 
And but you know, it's it's very easy for anyone to get carried away. And uh, you know, yeah, I mean, uh, when we originally wrote uh, Harrowing and what was it, Blood Beach and all the other ones, they were all really fleshed out. And it it, it could honestly have worked as a feature. It would have been really chaotic and stressful, I think, to produce it the way we wanted it to. But you know. At that time, you know, they were just sitting, they were just sitting, the stories weren't doing anything. And we kind of felt like, you know, we need to give the respect that it deserves because we wrote it. And, you know, it needs to find its place. And we found it's, you know. Yeah, I mean, we wound up making them all make sense. And they actually had a very similar theme in a lot of ways, which was about faith and belief. And we sort of uh, backed into that one. Um, but then he came up with the title and it was, it really was very fitting to sort of make an entire film about that. Um, and so it just all kind of fell into place and it was, uh, you know, it it was, it it certainly is an interesting thing because we had so many different stories, you know, we were, we've been talking about how we made this quite a bit now. Um, but we really did each one of them one at a time. Yeah. Um, and we felt that that was important, even though they're so different. We try not to really focus on the next one if we were doing this one. Mm-hmm. And that was uh, a good way to approach it was one world at a time, so to speak, and then go into the next one. Mm-hmm. Well, you're right, because you have what looks like on the surface four distinct different stories. But I mean, you have aliens you have world war ii you have uh, torture and kidnapping and and a lake monster these things that seem like they'd have absolutely nothing to do with each other except that they're all scary what links them together is this kind of like mental frailty of man or mankind i mean that at least what i took from it if i'm reading too much into it it is four different stories but it they do link together and it is cohesive and you also do not to spoil anything, but you do tie them together in a way at some point. <laughs> or yeah, that's fair to say. Yeah, yeah. No, it's definitely that. It's definitely about how man preys on each other and uh, how I, I guess there is some, you know, you could have, and it's not just aimed at one religion. There's many religious beliefs in it. And um, it's pretty much just, you know, is, is how far they will go in their beliefs and their conviction to do what they need to do or where they're at, you know? Um, and it's, it's really about the choices. I think the, the characters make. and um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a good way to put it. I mean, it's definitely, you know, a discussion of all those things that we would do and how, how far we would go, but also those forces that we don't quite understand. I mean, what is evil in itself? I mean, what is, what type of forms does it take? Is it, you know, can it just be an idea? Um, or just a belief, something that we feel is right. I think in a lot of ways, the characters, um, quite a few of them, like I'm thinking specifically of the, you know, the Leon character in Blood Beach, an interesting challenge for that was, you know, writing a belief system from something we totally don't agree with, you know, mm-hmm. what that approach would be and what what that means and why he feels the way he feels, but also how he could convince someone else to do it and mm-hmm. to follow it, um, which I think on some levels we can all sort of understand you know, how we get caught into a, an idea or an ideology or a belief system. Mm-hmm. Well, not, you know, political, but current events would uh, show us that that's not far off base. <laughs> that, no, that def- yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Definitely. And uh, yeah, I mean, um, it's, it's not, I don't expect it to be everyone's cup of tea, but it, it, what, what it really is, is a mix of, yeah, just like somewhat of like the belief system, but also taking something that's fiction 
hence like the the Lovecraftian act aspect of you know uh, you know what's really scary is the occult what's not seen and um, and, and what people do and how uh, they're so convicted in what they are doing that you could see it right in front of your eyes but you'll never know really how far it goes. How far down the rabbit hole does it go? Yeah, I mean, definitely. That's a, it's a great way to put it. I mean, whether it's that first part or, you know, it's the ending, which we actually did a little bit more for comedic effects. You know, they all have that through line. And it was something that we definitely just started to explore with this one, but we sort of have touched on before. It is kind of tricky to write about a belief system that you don't, not necessarily not know about, but that you don't practice because you take the risk of like, offending when that's not what you're trying to do you're just trying to give a, a representation of it even if it's a fictional you know cult-like thing you know i'm sure there's somewhere somewhere in the world there's some people that worship lake monsters or mm -hmm. or you know i can't i can never pronounce the the name but that Cthulhu, you know yeah. somewhere there's a group of people that do have this type of i mean it's not out of the realm of possibility right? No, I, I, I think with the way, uh, especially with science and, you know, everything else is going, I think what we learned most is that we really don't know enough. Yeah. I think that's the, that's what we know. And, and I guess a lot of, you know, smart people would say, you know, the first lesson of learning everything is really knowing nothing. Mm -hmm. And uh, so whatever is possible can happen, you know. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I'm sure there is someone somewhere who believes that in you know a monster who dwells in the, the bottom of the, the ocean and then they have every right to and uh, I, I I think that it's sometimes it's uh, sometimes people go too far in protecting those aspects I, I I believe that if it's if it was really forbidden we wouldn't be able to uh, at least think it or say it without any uh, repercussions so I mean um yeah, no, I mean, uh, it's definitely like Lovecraftian influence, and uh, it has some uh, some Christian values in it. Yeah, um, you know, especially with the heroine, obviously, and then it has uh, you know more some something more scientific, such as aliens and UFOs and all that stuff. So we really just wanted to take a lot of things that maybe we don't agree with a hundred percent, but you know, that is something that. You know, it is interesting to, mm -hmm. I think, to us and should be to the audience is that is there something greater, you know, and how dark, how, how, how corrupt will we get to get it if, if we do find out? So it's all those questions kind of wrapped up into one with how dark they pray. Yeah. And dark being a key word, because like you were saying, when it comes to the occult or cult like uh, groups, what you see, like you said, what you see on the surface is just that it's the surface and like being afraid of the dark where you can't see anything. And that's what, you know, you don't know what's hidden. That's what makes it terrifying. So it's a nice little play on the darkness of not knowing more than, than what you can see with your own eyes. As I was watching it, I was thinking to myself, this is my favorite. And then I got to the last one and that's my favorite. But I have to say my favorite line is who the fuck is Janet? 
I fell out. I was dying laughing. It's an intense scene. Like there's some serious shit going on. And he's like, Jesus. And I was just, oh my God. The the World War II, the 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 soldiers it made me extremely uncomfortable. And I think that's, you know, kudos to you because that's exactly the feeling that you wanted to have. So to have that and then something like uh, Blood Beach and then uh, Nelly, you go through this gamut of emotions like, ha, look at these idiots that believe in aliens. No offense to anybody who believes in aliens. I believe in aliens. But in the film, you're like, oh, look at these idiots. And then, it, you know, and it just goes on. And then you've got comedic relief at the end to kind of release the pressure that's been building the whole time you've been watching it. So I thought that was really cool. Cool, cool. Yeah, and uh, I think originally we were talking about adding Nelly uh yeah to it because it was so it was very different and uh i i'll tell you this jameson is a big fan of you know psycho and evil dead yeah. and he really wanted to to to, to do nelly as a as an homage to to that mm-hmm. and uh, we were thinking well we need you know should we should we add nelly and um we you know I think it came down to, yeah, we wanted to add it because it was so different. And you're right. It, it gets that sense of relief at the end, you know, but still kind of play. It kind of still fits, you know, the whole, uh, you know, aesthetic of it. Yeah, it was interesting, too, because you think about, you know, those really the, the movies I feel like I grew up watching with my dad or something, whether it was like Abbott and Costello or those types of movies that were genre blending, but were horror. You know, they don't really they don't make films like that anymore. So it was kind of. But then also Psycho, which is almost like the apex of that entire idea. Um, Mm -hmm. It was just like, you know, can we do something that crazy bold at the end of all of this? Because they're all sort of, you know, they're all sort of doing a different thing. And Adam did such a great job um, really with directing and making and setting that baseline of something that was a found footage, which is also very different with Encounter mm-hmm. Nightly, and it was his first time directing. So that was really an audience pleaser. I, I always felt that Encounter Nightly was gonna be an audience pleaser from the way I, I saw it and I didn't direct it so I could say that clear headed. Um, mm-hmm. So what, what, I, what I felt was if you had something that was that great up front and you like those guys and you're rooting for them, but it's also sort of acceptable, everybody has that realm. You know, it, it was really kind of um, a bold thing to try to make it funny too (laughs) it's almost asking too much of the audience but um it was really adam that encouraged me i feel like to be like okay no we should do it it's cool it's another facet of horror because you know as much as we could talk about belief you know it's also about fans too you know people are so much fans of this kind of stuff um that it's also their belief system too that we're kind of playing in in and around and with our own love of these things so we kind of have you know, a worship of, you know, of yeah. art and, too. And, so, yeah, we, I was just, just thinking that, like, if, if we're doing a horror movie, because we're, we're so in love with them and, you know, we, we take inspirations from like Lovecraft, Carpenter, Clyde Barker, um, you know, uh, everyone that we, that, that we grew up with. And so it, we really feel like, you know, of just saying, you know, like kind of thank you because it, it really, helped us become creative in our own ways. Yeah, it's true. And it, you know, in for millions of other fans, I mean, we're just simple horror fans, really, you know, or we, you know, and uh, you know, just doing being able to make our own horror films, you know, <laughs> it is it, just an honor, 
And, you know, if we could give back to, you know, those who paved the way, you know, then, then we'll, we'll do it. I mean. Yeah. And trying to capture like, you know, so much of the time, because he really taught me about horror films because I didn't really grow up on them, which is the weird thing about me. But I wound up appreciating, appreciating them as an adult. But it's the feelings that they give you, you know, that you're trying to give someone else, you know, like that's the feeling that I think, you know, you could walk away with is that it's a it's a fully fleshed out world, you know, where this atmosphere is there the same way when you're watching Psycho, you know, if you're watching the fog, you know, and you feel that you're there and you feel the suspense of it, hopefully we can do that same thing um, by, again, you know, paying homage, but, you know, also trying to figure out why it works a certain way and, and trying to do it like that. I mean, you know, Psycho is a scary thing because it's like a perfect film. So it's like, you don't really want to, you know, we don't want to, you know, the color version of Psycho is a questionable thing in itself. So right. kind of like, you know, you don't want to mess around with that. But I, we found an approach that was like, you know, we're hopefully showing that we do love it, you know, and that's really why we're here in the first place that, you know, that's what hopefully comes across. Absolutely. Nobody wants to be out there saying this is this, you know, generation psycho. Nobody's gonna, nobody wants to say that. <laughs> you know, yeah, exactly. Haunted by Hitchcock, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, you don't want to do that because also it doesn't exist now. You know what I mean? That's part of the reason why we make the films that we make is because we're so much looking at, you know, things that they don't do anymore, you know, that we sort of want to still hold on to in some ways, but make our own spin on it yeah. you know i don't know like at least for me i feel like my job is not to replace those people but to understand why they were there and to appreciate it and hopefully bring some of that to the next person who says oh that's why you know that's something that i love you yeah. know yeah definitely i mean um yeah we, we we like classic you know the classic films a lot and yeah we, we try to just keep those films alive at least for us you know we want to yeah, I guess to be a little bit selfish. Yeah, I want to see the movies, you know, uh, that I used to watch being made now. Mm -hmm. and sometimes you don't see it. You, you know, you, you see a horror movie sometimes today, and you're like, oh, it, it might have it. It might have that spark that I want. And then it doesn't. And then mm -hmm. you know, disappointment happens. So we're kind of like saying, you know, let's just make it ourselves, you know. And, and we're able to because we're filmmakers. And, you know, we, we watch hundreds of thousands of them and we grew up on them. And so we just, you know, we just figured, let, let's just make the movies we want to see. And if, if people like it, you know, then that's great. You know, that's that's really what it's about. It's yeah. just like, you know, trying to hold on to something. Don't try to fix anything that's not broken. But, yeah. you know, but keep it going. Keep the wheels going to get to a different place. Yeah. To that destination. And it's not, you know, it's not one filmmaker or, or, or one story that's going to do it. It's it's a journey that, you know, everybody has to carry, you know, their piece of, uh, you know, of the foundation over to that destination. Yeah. And so we're just one, we're just one group of people doing it. And, you know. Exactly right. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much exactly how I feel every time we do something. Yeah. yeah. I would say for the past decade, at least, horror films, or at least horror films big budget in you know in theaters with major studios very cookie cutter like did we really need three annabelles or ten annabelles or however many there were yeah. insidious yeah it okay i get that people that saw the original halloween were completely stoked 
for what was it, the 20th anniversary? Same with same with Scream. But I feel like Scream was very self-aware of what it was doing, if that makes sense, right? There's just been this like cookie cutter mold that major studios have not wanted to break out because, hey, you know, if it pays, keep playing it. I love talking to independent filmmakers because you guys are respecting where it came from, but you're also breaking out of the molds with things like How Dark They Pray, adding the comedy, adding that element of, oh, the human is the monster. So it's a very uh, slippery slope to be in, in horror. I think what you guys are doing, it's groundbreaking. And I think you're making strides that, not that you guys are old folks, but people that are coming behind you will respect as well. And they will probably emulate, if that makes sense. Thank you. Wow. That's a great compliment. Yeah, thank you. I mean, and we developed, we started out really uh, working together by doing um, a YouTube videos. Uh, we wanted to um, really just, you know, make content for young filmmakers yeah, and, you know, tips and tricks on camera work, lighting, sound design, uh, all that stuff, how you could build uh, a $50 um, space battle and all that stuff. And, you know, we, we, we try to like still we, we still try to do that. We still try to, you know, yeah, in a sense, give give some information, some knowledge of what we know to the young filmmaker. And I think, you know, with with How Dark They Pray, you know, we did it for a very low budget. It was only like a three-person crew. I mean, it, that should, you know, have lights going off and, you know, and young filmmakers saying, wow. And so if I just have a couple of people, uh, a camera and some sound, I could make a movie or I could do yeah, an anthology exactly. or I could make my horror movie, sci-fi, whatever you want to do. And the reality is you can. And, uh, you know, it's just a one big learning experience. Yeah, I mean, and so much like... Um... I come from a background of going to film school, you know, so I've sort of been trained, but I, I don't really feel that was my training. I feel like making films with him and, um, you know, with people who are really collaborative was the training. And I think what happens is there's so much fear that's built into people to try to make something because they'll be rejected, whatever, whatever it is. I mean, we've, we've been rejected in so many times of different things, you know, whether it's an idea or it's this or it's that so much so on a journey to making films that we're able to just go through that now at this point and to do what we, you know, what we feel is right, you know? So you develop those instincts over so many years of doing it. I mean, we've been doing it for 12 plus years now, virtually it's just together. I mean, so, you know, it's a lot of those, when you're really first starting things, it's just, there's so much fear in it. You know, am I doing the right thing? Am I doing that? And just by really doing it is the only way to sort of break that away and really try to get across what you're saying. But also there's so much um, emphasis placed on things that don't matter, you know, um, whether it's really the quality of the camera, which in some cases just doesn't matter. I mean, the iPhones are really good, uh, you know, unlike what I was using at 16, which was a joke in comparison. Um, so it's like, you know, breaking those things away and just hopefully, you know, if we are talking to a young filmmaker or if they are taking anything from this, it's what we would take from someone else doing the same thing. I mean, we saw a great movie called Cosmos that we thought was excellent. We had already made two features and it was done by a couple guys in the garage and it was a great science fiction movie. It's probably one of the best sci-fi movies we've seen in a long time yeah. and it was done so cheap. Uh, but that type of stuff inspires us too and to be like, you know, how how could we, you know, still break away the stuff that we feel we're, we're attached to and do mm -hmm. it differently and just hopefully get a better result, you know, and a freer result, I guess, you know. Yeah.
Right. And I think that's something that young filmmakers coming out of school specifically, they're taught that there's tropes that they need to stick to or that their you know, project needs to have. You have to do this. Don't do, you know, don't do that. Don't break the fourth wall. Uh, you know what? Break the fourth wall. Don't use that trope. Let this innocent, beautiful woman be the bad guy. Don't stick to the stereotypes. Yeah. I think you really need to learn. And what you guys are saying is, even if you're terrified of like breaking all the rules that you just paid a lot of money to learn, do it anyways. Fail. And if you succeed, yay. Yeah. yeah. And I, exactly. I, I think you're right. I, I think with young filmmakers today, uh, there's a lot of avenues for them to go down, but I think they're met with pitchforks and, you know, the, the, and all this fire because it almost seems like taboo to go down. You know, you don't want to be accused of this or that. And in socially, politically and all that stuff, you, you, you know, it, it, in the end, you know, you look at what is it? Game of Thrones and uh, Lord of the Rings. Now <laughs> you could hear a lot of talk about back and forth stuff. And it's so easy for, you know, young filmmakers to get turned off to being like, look, I'm not going to touch this with a 10 foot pole. Right. Yeah. And, exactly. you know, it, it, and, you know, to tell you the truth, there has been a moment, even I'll be honest with us, where we thought, you know, we like this story. We believe in this story. Is this the right time for it to come out? And we had to, you know, just kind of say, you know what, we have let's just put it down, not out of fear of being scrutinized or this and that. It's just that, you, you know, there's. There's something in there's something in whatever mixture and that, you know, that adding it is not is just going to be combustible. Yeah. And the, and the goal is to not get it combustible. It's your goal is to to get it in there and make it blend with everything else. And it's all about timing. And yeah, so we don't want any filmmakers to be turned off about, you know, any avenue that they shouldn't go down. Um, I think it's 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 entertainment for one. It's expressive. And, uh, you know, and you're right with some, um, you know, with some horror films today, you know, I don't want a, a young filmmaker to say, oh, my favorite uh, uh, horror movie of all time is, uh, I don't know, a Happy Death Day or whatever. <laughs> I'm like, yes, I'm like, for that I, I don't like it. But, but, but it, either way, I, or saying like, have you ever seen Halloween or Friday the 13th? Oh, no, is that the one with uh, uh, the clown mask or whatever? It's like, no, dude, you, you mm -hmm. want them to know, you know, I want, I want to keep Halloween, uh, Prince of Darkness, Scream, uh, all those classic ones, even 60s horror ones relevant mm -hmm. because, uh, you know, eventually, you know, history has a way of just forgetting things. Yeah. You know? and, and those are at least they're important to me. And, you know, as a filmmaker, you know, uh, I want to, you know, keep those things going for young filmmakers. Oh, this is Halloween, or this is Event Horizon, or this is Psycho, or whatever it may be. Just keep them yeah, going, you know, exactly. Because they, because I enjoy them, and I and I feel people. You know, you brought up an interesting thing too, which is kind of a rabbit hole that we probably shouldn't totally go down. But <clears throat> I think personally, now I'm a guy, of course, but at the same time, I don't feel. I feel like there's a problem with female characters nowadays, which is that they have to be perfect. And I'm sure, and I think I could vibe out that you're sort of you're agreeing with that, but. The truth is that the problem that I'm seeing is that I grew up with characters like Luke Skywalker, which, to be honest with you, were, was a deeply flawed character. 
He was whiny. I used to argue with my brother that he was the whiniest, dumbest mm-hmm. character I've ever seen. And I wanted to be Han Solo. You know what I mean? And But he was Han Solo already dressed up as Han Solo. So I had to be Luke. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So it's like, I think that perception of things has changed so much. I mean, I, my feeling is, is that if we're going to create a character who's, who's a, who's a female, I mean, they should be just as vulnerable, prone to mistakes, just as maybe evil sometimes as all the male characters that we grew up. And there's watching. a lot of good, uh, a lot of good and, ones out there. And I, and we're not even meaning that in like a, a quality type of way. We just think that's the way it should be, of course. Right. But when we see stuff like I even said, pick out like the new Star Wars, it's like now women characters have to be perfect. And it's like they're perfect at everything with no training. They're perfect at everything all the time. And that was something Mm -hmm. that I think, especially in this movie, we wanted to sort of just like be like, no, this, you know, this is the way we thought characters were supposed to be. You know, they're supposed to be flawed. They're supposed to sometimes, you know, a man character coming in does know the right thing to say. You know what I mean? And maybe they need each other. I mean, one of the best examples I always think of is like Indiana Jones and and Marion, you know, Mm -hmm. those two characters are so intertwined that actually by the end of the movie, if they weren't both in the adventure, I think one of them would have died. You know what I mean? Um, So they complement each other's what they're lacking. You know, if someone has a moral, you know, deficiency or is is not uh, intelligent enough for the moment, the other person compliments it which is why a male and female character should be like that. You know, one of them shouldn't just be a moron. Um, so that's the type of thing we're trying to, you know, we're not like pushing that as an agenda, but you brought it up. And the truth is we feel that should be part of film now. And it's, it's not on a, on a global scale. It's not um, now that the gender thing is issue, but it's, it's, it's the gender thing is interesting because it seems like females are, are actually, they're pushing a perfectness of look at how perfect they are, which is really not, is actually really twisted when you think about it. Right. So I could, I could talk about that till the cows come home. But if Luke was really perfect, I wouldn't like him. I wouldn't have yeah. related to him. He was only sort of perfect in Return of the Jedi, you know, so that's become. After years of learning and right. training. And even yeah. then he made mistakes. Yeah. Uh, and he, he screwed it up. I mean, it was really ultimately Darth Vader who saved the day. Um, so that's the type of female characters we should have, right? I mean, we shouldn't be had. I mean, so that's what I don't understand. But that's another thing that maybe we can do that for some reason the studios are, you know, I don't know, not allowed. Yeah, no, like I mean, not happening it anymore. seems that, so, yeah, there is this like almost like this. Uh, it's like a shift like, in thinking. Yeah, it's just almost like a, an outline or a, like a, a cookie cutter thing of like, this is how it has to go. This is how women are, are, or need to be. And there's a lot of, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of those aspects, whether it be uh, uh, the guys, the girls, or just how uh, the story plays out. So you know, many things. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, Insidious and uh, Annabelle, yeah. and the Conjurings, it's it's almost, it's like the same. Uh, yeah, and that's true, too. There's definitely a lot of those plots that keep. And so, but I think that that's the th- one thing of, of the independent filmmaker is that they're able, they're not tied down to that. You know, you know, you break a rule, you're not going to be kicked out of the uh, the guild or anything. You know, right. you're, you're going to go on making movies, and you know, you you'll have your fan base, and you'll have your stories. And so, I, I think it's just the way the industry is, and in, in looking at which what are they trying to sell. And, that, and the thing is, I think they honestly don't know what they're selling. No, they just think it's what people want, and like maybe what a couple people on Twitter do actually want, but it's like you know. 
doesn't really make sense when you really think about it. And I actually think it, it is wrong because it's just not giving, I think, young women a chance to be like, hey, I screwed up just like the way Luke Skywalker screwed up in Empire Strikes Back. But I'm going to be okay because he learned better. You know, that was so valuable to me growing up more than I would have thought but looking back. But once you take that away from a franchise, you really start to notice it. It's like, oh, that's what that was. Yeah, and absolutely. We love to see a strong, well, character in general, but we love to see a strong female character in a horror film just because for years we saw the, the idiot that tripped and fell. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Running with her tits out because for no reason. Women were so bimboized for a long time. So we love to see a strong uh, female character. We love to see a strong character, regardless of gender. And I think, I think you're right. I think there is this pushed upon perfection for a character where they know everything. They they just figured it all out. Exactly. Yeah. Where did that come from? <laughs> I crazy writing, honestly. Yeah. You did bring up a couple a uh, couple things I wanted to touch on really quick. Um, you mentioned uh, horror films that you want to hear them. You know, talking about the films younger filmmakers that they like or that they look up to but you also want them to say i loved splinter i loved high tension i loved wolf creek you don't want to just hear oh my god i loved nightmare on elm street yeah so did i it was great but i also loved surrogate which i just saw that was super good yeah yeah, Terrifier is a good movie. I think. Uh, I, I mean, and there, there, are, there are some, and I think Terrifier is definitely one of them. That uh, you know, and High Tension was great. High Tension is extraordinary. It's, it's yeah, really I mean, cool, it's and that's good than, to see. Yeah. Is you know, you know that there is you know these good horror movies still being made today, and there are a lot. And it's just that sometimes you know you get flooded with some that are just overdone. You know, yeah. and but but it's always good to see you know those movies come out, and it, 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 and honestly, it gives us hope and it gives us more you know uh, positivity because it's like okay, you know we're there, you know it's not just one big mass, you know everybody's going along with it, liking it, or, you know whatever. It's like okay, you know uh, there's some people who dislike it, and you know we're not- yeah, and also like it's it's one of the like we've made movies and other genres you know we did a drama we did a nuclear war film you know but there's an audience here that's ready willing and 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 capable and and excited to you know receive something different you know but and just be and actually just the fact that it is a horror labeled a horror seems it's almost cheap how amazing you could like push this out to this community of people and then you know we but we know with that there's a big responsibility but you know people take advantage of that but the truth is is that that is such a ready and active audience um and and so we love that as filmmakers because people accept everything regardless of you know the budget the cast or anything else and there's all unknowns in this movie but the last three movies we made we had known actors um, you know, so that, you know, this type of thing we know could work in this genre because people are there for the story. They're interested in the characters. They're interested in the facets of the genre itself. Yeah. Um, and so that's really exciting for people like us who are just making things on our own. Yeah. And we're, we're just fans, really. Exactly. We're just fans at the end of the day. And we want to hopefully make the stuff that we want to see and then people want to see. I feel like it comes across uh, when a filmmaker loves the subject, loves the the subject matter of their film, it comes across. Because sometimes with this, the big budget films or the, the major studio films, not a lot of heart is in it. 
have I seen Final Destination 3 about 100 times? Absolutely. Right. It's it's a popcorn film for me. It's a I hate to say this and sound like a weirdo, but it's a comfort film for me. If I'm not feeling good. Yeah, it is awesome. There's something to be said for the big budget films. But in independent films, in films like How Dark They Pray, where it's a couple guys, it's a three-person crew. And that was another thing I wanted to to mention. You said something about um, the tools and the, the cameras and things like that. But sorry. So to see things from you guys that you're making what you love resonates as a viewer because we're like a lot of heart went into this. A lot of thought went into this, a lot of blood, sweat and tears. I know for a fact went into this because you guys are, it's the two of you. It's a few of you. Yeah. So to me personally, I enjoy them more. That's just me. So yeah. Thank you for saying yeah, that. I mean, obviously that means a lot to us. We can talk about the camera too, but anyway. yeah, no, I'm really cool. I mean, the, especially for like the heroin, you were just in this middle of the forest yeah. at like 95 degree temperature with like, yeah, like every type of bug you could think of swarming mm-hmm. around you and whatnot. And everybody was willing and able to be there. You know, the, the whole mean, thing too is like, you want to really sort of imagine yourself as part of, you know, in these worlds and understand them, you know, cause that's really the only way to create a feeling. Uh, I think as a filmmaker or as a producer, as a, as a composer to these, um, but so the truth is like when you have less people around and you're really in the elements, I mean, you feel like you're there because you are there, <laughs> you are there. Um, and so we were on the beach with Blood Beach. I mean, if you really just looked out at the water, there was something very eerie about it. And it was like other, uh, otherworldly in some cases. So, you know, I like as a director, even just to live in those worlds and to sort of join the actors and, and you know, imagine with them. So the way we make films allows that easily you know, because there's not a lot of people shouting around with walkie talkies and stuff like that about how something yeah. has to move. That doesn't matter. You know, a lot of that stuff doesn't matter anyway, but it's there in your way. So I, I actually find it so much easier sometimes to just not have that stuff. Um, and in terms of the camera, I mean, we actually shot on the Black Magic in 4K. Uh, we just got the Black Magic cinema camera. And this is not an expensive piece of gear that I wish was around years mm-hmm. ago um, but we were able to shoot in 4k with no problems at all and uh but you know we love we like to use anything we can i mean iphones and things like that and actually this phone this movie did use the iphone uh in 4k uh quite mm-hmm. a bit actually for adam's film and then there was times where we would see ominous you know skies you know we would capture you know for a movie for one of this movie or that movie um, we would capture the way the clouds looked in the sky in 4K on the iPhone. And that wound up in the movie. Um, so, you know, all these tools are in play. I mean, it's edited on a home desktop computer, you know. Yeah, everything's in-house. Everything's in-house. I mean, he has his stuff on his computer for his for composing. Um, you know, we made so many of the props by just, you know, painting them with wood or whatever it was. So everything's really tangible and very simple at the end of the day. And that lesson that I want um, anyone listening who's an aspiring filmmaker is it can be your phone and a fog machine, a full out editing board, right? You don't have to have all of that. First started doing this, they were like, you need a microphone, you need this, you need that, you need lights. And I was like, that's a lot of money. I'll never, I'll never, if I wait until I get all of the equipment, I'll never do it because I'll never be able to to shell out. And I think young filmmakers or even older filmmakers who are just starting out, I think that 
the cost can be scary or the perceived cost can be scary. So to hear you guys say, use your iPhone, and you're not the first to say it, but use your iPhone, use your desktop. You can find programs online to edit with. Yeah. If you want to do it, it can be done and you don't have to, you know, you don't have to sell your car or mortgage your house, you know? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, less is of so much more. I mean, it's really the truth. I mean, this is, this is a movie about less is more mm. uh, in so many ways, but yeah. But I mean, at least for, you know, I think our mindset is, is yeah, you could have less of the tools, the desks and all that stuff, and it's going to be a challenge. Mm. Okay. But Imagine how you're going to feel once you get it done, knowing that you put yourself through that challenge yeah. and you're testing yourself. We're always trying to test ourselves and, you know, like hone in our exactly, skills yeah. and, uh, you know, you know, and, and we're still growing, you know, will it always be the black magic? No, it'll be something new. Maybe it'll be something not as good. Maybe next time. Yeah. Or maybe it'll just be the iPhone again. It depends on what it needs, but you know, we're, we always like to, you know, the mindset of, you know, be useful in every tool that you have at your disposal. And, uh, you know, the, we, we saw one movie back, or you saw maybe about eight years ago, it was done all in one iPhone. Yeah, yeah. Was it? And, and like stuff like that inspires exactly, people. Exactly, yeah. If, if that one director didn't use the iPhone for his movie, probably nobody would have A lot have of other people it. would not have done yeah, it. Yeah, because so. it was accepted. You know, it was, oh, okay, we can do it now. But I mean, you could have always done it. <laughs> That's the funny thing about any of this. Mm-hmm. People don't realize, oh, you can just do that. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. until you've done it, nobody mm-hmm. wants to do it. So, you yeah. know, hopefully we're doing some of those things that nobody wants to do. But the funny thing was the interesting thing about this movie, too, is that it was just the three of us. But um, this is the what that this sh- this one film, Encounter Nightly, was the first time he directed. And this was certainly the first time I ever shot a film myself, because usually I don't really shoot films, especially not feature films. So um, that was sort of a learning curve for us. And we fell into that really quickly. Um, So we kind of were all doing things that were different, trying things that were different, you know, and we were strong enough collaborators that we were able to, you know, um, be honest, but also be um, supportive, you know, of those different things. And, you know, after years of working together, it's interesting to flip that around and try it different ways. Yeah. Especially, I think, uh, you know, with COVID and most uh, productions, you know, it's been very limited, you know, I guess with crew and all that stuff. I mean, um, you know, we've heard about, we've heard, you know, about a lot of projects, you know, wanting to do something, whatever, and then it just fell through because of COVID. And Yeah, the industry is so much changed. Yeah. I mean, the film industry is so different right now, especially even on, I mean, on the big scale, definitely too, but on the small scale. People are not even putting things together or thinking about putting things together. Right. And, and to get the money, I mean, uh, you, you have to really, you know, scratch, you know, scratch around to find the budget. And, you know, we're very good at doing our budgets because, uh, yeah. you know, we're, we're not, we don't like to, you know, say, oh, we have this 8K yeah. new camera or we have this new software. We don't like to spend money. No. Believe it or not. We no. try not to. We no. try to like just say, oh, well, what could we do for this? Yeah. We, okay. we like working with what we have. And we're all that way. Like everybody on our team is that way. Whether it's me, Adam, or Lewis, or um, we work with Nicole Wachowski, who's excellent. has done sound on all these movies. And it was actually the first time she did sound. But we're kind of all that way. Um, or we're just trying to figure out like, okay, what can we do now? 
you know, well, and with the, you know, yeah, we, you know, trying to keep our budgets, you know, pretty low, you know, uh, trying to find a sound guy in New York City or find anyone because most of, let's face it, we're going to go, we're in Jersey, but you, you hire everyone in New York City. Yeah. You know, fees, transportation, you know, and then all yeah. this other stuff, it gets really, really chaotic and you're hiring people in the business you know yeah and, and that could be tricky too but you know Ad, and adam's a great producer uh because he also has a sense of what to value and you know i'm i guess what could be good about me as, as a director is i don't find spending money to be of value in most cases so that kind of works out but he was really good with this one because i felt that the um in some ways the world war ii uh movie might be ballooning into okay we need to get this and we need to get that and and but you know he was really good about helping you know me get all the accurate costumes and all that stuff and finding the money for that because you know when you have one two three four things you know this is suddenly the world war ii starts eating up the other budgets yeah period really just I mean, period pieces in general are just a nightmare i mean we got we got the car in Nelly, which was almost exactly like the car in Psycho, we got that from our uh, our neighbor. Our neighbor over here happened to be washing his car, and we realized he's been working on it for years. And yeah, I think it was Adam that was like, "Why don't we just ask him if we can, you know, give him fifty bucks and yeah. maybe he'd do it for and it, fun?" It, and it wasn't even really running. I think I think it he, wasn't running. He pushed it he into could place. Push it for into us. place. Yeah. So that's so that was great. He pushed it in place and we shot it, and then he like flipped it around and we shot it from the other side. It was like yeah. the craziest thing. Yeah. But that's how we got you know period accurate. And then like you know the set in Nelly is in you know is in the basement of our apartment here you know so we just went down there and said oh, okay let's put yeah. let's figure out how we can make this you know uh that place so that's you know we, it wasn't that hard it wasn't that hard no and, and shooting in black and white blended those things and allowed it to be you know more dramatically lit to hide some of those things so you know it just was, you know, there was a will and a way. I mean, we found yeah. a way because we had the whoops, because we had the will to do it. Yeah. And necessity is the mother of invention, they say. So exactly. Yeah. yeah. You'll find a way. If you have to find a way, you'll find yeah. a way. Especially if you have a time limit. <laughs> You're gonna figure out a way. People don't realize that. I think the thing is you don't want to put yourself in that situation no. where you're like, oh, I got to scramble to do this now. Like, how, how the hell am I going to do this? I mean, we had to find a location for the World War II. We had to find a cabin in the woods. Yeah. And we found them both. But that's right? but this is how it worked, though, is because we are we scheduled right. We did yeah. about a month apart for each film, for each uh, piece. Yeah. And uh, we really just said, you know, if we're doing uh, Encounter Nightly, we're th only focusing on Encounter Nightly. We're not talking about the budget or timing for anything else. We're just going to lay our hands on that. Exactly. But, and that was smart yeah. because we could really live in that world and assess what has to be done there and make that the best piece it could be and say, oh, that's good. Now let's move on. And so we were only thinking about maybe costumes for the World War II film, but everything else was just like, we're just doing this one. Right. Right. And anybody with, with ADHD would probably understand that completely, because if you try to think of more than one thing at a time, you end up thinking about 20 things and none of them get done. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, especially with budgets. I mean, you know, you go over if you're just starting your production and the first one is going over budget, 
that's going to be a domino effect eventually to the other ones. Exactly. And luckily, we didn't have that. You know, we also had an interesting thing, too, which uh, would be interesting maybe to your audience. But when you watch this movie, the real beginning that we made was done really last because yeah. and that was sort of not part of it. And then it became part of it. And we sort of had to figure out what the story is that we wanted to tell for that introduction. And we kind of felt there should be an introductory piece and it made sense and it, it, it lengthened some things and it, it brought the right focus in for when his movie then happens. Um, but that was an interesting challenge because we kind of figured out what we wanted to do, but we were on such a tight you know, budget that we wound up being very creative in how we put that together. I thought out of all of them, it was the most that know, was, yeah, crunched, crunched yeah. the most, you know, you needed to use your imagination to really figure out what could happen. And we came together on that really easily. Yeah. You know, figuring out what to do and making it interesting, and it was a good production. How to work a prayer? I think we yeah. we really we as Jameson said, we've done you know a bigger budget productions, um, and you know with like at least twelve to fifteen members of crew and all. Yeah, and sometimes you know, more, sometimes more. But really, we 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 enjoy doing the small, really small stuff that is you know really hands on. Yeah, a couple people because you could communicate so much better. Uh, everybody knows everybody's limits by that point. You know, it's not like hiding behind a couple of people waiting. You know, yeah. To, you know, it's, it's so we we enjoyed it. We were very happy with the production, and especially during COVID and how everybody was just really just game to be there and really you know. Yeah, that was impressive too because those yeah. actors were—I mean—they were so game. They were game to be there, and we we did a rehearsal on a reading on Zoom, so nobody was in, you know touching each other or near each other. And then when they showed up, we said, "If you want to be tested or if you want to do whatever you want to do, it's fine." You know, our rules were everybody sort of stay away from each other, and you know, if we can sort of clear you for COVID, then fine. You can we'll, we'll just shoot. You know, we were outside, so it was actually very safe. I mean, nobody got sick during the entire movie. There was no problems at all. There was no safety issues. Just I mean, rain. Just just rain. The rain was a big problem. <laughs> so that happened. But yeah, that was the only real issue we had. Rain and bugs. <laughs> and bugs. Yeah. But, I, but I do it again because it, it, yeah. it was so great to work with them. You know, it was. Uh, it was. The cast was, was great. You know, and we could talk about the cast forever. But I mean, each one of those people were so interesting. It was weird, too, because, you know, you're coming to a whole different, you know, space with somebody. And then you, they have no idea what you did with the other four movies, the other three movies. Yeah. So you're kind of being like, oh, wait till you see what we did in the woods with those guys. You know, yeah. but nobody really understood that until maybe they saw the trailer now and when they see the movie on September 15th. So that's exciting for us because, you know, some of those people we really vibed with, you know, who we only were there for a day being like, OK, we got to rush around you know, hopefully they can sort of live in like what we, you know, what we built and hopefully enjoy what they become a part of, yeah. which is really much bigger than, you know, even just our, our, our side of it, but it's like, oh, it's everybody who did all of it throughout the entire thing. It's so, it's so much bigger than just, yeah. so it's great. Right. You've got the World War II uh, actors saying to the other ones, you got to be inside. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a, they all wish that. Yeah. But yeah. I think, uh, I think the one who made it out smooth would uh would be Mark Lubbers. Yeah. In Blood Beach, because he <laughs> great, great actor, but but he he sat there and uh, looked at the water. He had 
couple Smoke cigars, and I was thinking to myself, <laughs> you know what, that that should be me right now. Yeah, I know, right? But uh, but no, but uh, yeah. So it I think was so was, it was so beautiful there though yeah. that we actually all. I mean, I certainly felt like it was the one time I shot a movie that I felt like I was on vacation. Yeah, you know, it was really beautiful, and it was just the two of them there. So it was so nice, even though we were in the sand with the camera, like it was one day almost just passed like, out yeah. from the size of the camera, but it was, um, otherwise it was so relaxing and yeah, I mean, he yeah. did have a great job that day. He did. Yeah. He did. So. But yeah, no, we, we were very, uh, uh, thankful. Yeah. And, and fortunate. Uh, fortunate. In a lot of ways, you know, the people who also invested, you know, and the people yeah. who helped put the money together, we just told them about it. And like, you know, two people came together and said, yeah, let's go. Yeah. And that was it. You know, I mean, we've, we've raised money for <clears throat> years at a time. You know, this took probably collectively 20 minutes, you know, maybe 15 minutes because they knew what we did before and said, oh, it's interesting. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one phone call, two phone calls. Yeah. It's almost I mean, hey, sometimes, we, sometimes we would be, we would get kicked out of diners for having coffee because we were having so much so there so with long. investors. Yeah. We're like, you got to get out of here. We're like, we're just having a meeting, having coffee. Oh man. You get kicked out of a diner for that. Yeah. So, I mean, six months, nine months, years of financing some of the other movies that were closer to a hundred thousand dollar budgets plus, you know, I mean, for this one, it was just so, <laughs> so easy. It's almost laughable how easy it no, was. But it was but, enjoyable. I think that that was a real big takeaway is that it was actually we enjoyable. were able to to have these stories come together yeah. and then really make it. Uh, I was able to direct and that was cool. And then we were able to, to fit Nelly in there and then do the intro yeah, I mean, we really just kind of kind of said if we whatever we thought we just did it. Yeah, and then luckily there was no hurdles or anything. We got to live out a lot of old dreams on this. It's like okay, I always mm -hmm. wanted to do a World War II. I mean, we always wanted to do an alien thing. You know, uh, black and white would be great. You know, so we finally got to do so many of the things you just couldn't have done. I mean, it would have taken us probably twenty five years to put together each one of these movies yeah. separately if you tried to raise the budget on all of them. You know, I mean, it'd be yeah. a hell of a thing. Yeah, 50 years so, to get the budget. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, I mean, forget it. Aliens in a feature length yeah. in itself is such a, you know, daunting thing. But what can you do in 15 minutes? Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, as you said, people can see it September 15th. It's going to be on Amazon Prime. And what's the other watch movies now? Yeah. Watch movies now on YouTube. Yeah, it's a great international platform where people see it all over the world and it's free. It's free with ads so that anyone can watch it there. All right. And is there a website for the film that people can go and, and get more information about it? The best place to reach us would definitely be or to see all the things we're doing is Film Valor on YouTube. See everything we're doing there, including our last movie, No Fear, with which people, you know, uh, have also responded well to was, in, was released in theaters as on platforms too. Okay, cool. And Film Valor on socials as well, like uh, Twitter and Instagram. We do have a Twitter. We're not too active on it, but we do have an Instagram and mostly the YouTube. Awesome. So what's up next for you guys? Are you working on a new project? Oh, uh, yeah. You want to talk about it? So yeah, we're right, right now on, fil on Film Valor on YouTube. We do a lot of really fun stuff, which also actually winds up being incredible training ground for a lot of the stuff we want to do bigger. So one little series we're working on, which is becoming a bigger thing as we speak, is uh, what we call Star Wars Battle Royale, which is based on a video game that's that's Battle Royale video games, which are really popular. I'm sure you've heard of them, but it's, it's, 
it's what the kids are doing, but we are too. Um, there's things called PUBG or Fortnite, and they're all in these big battlegrounds of players. So we're doing a Star Wars version of that with very good friends of ours with a lot of special effects and crazy stuff that is going to be shot on an iPhone. And it's a continuing series that we're doing. It should be, it's at least a two-parter. Maybe it'll become a three-parter, but it's a very ambitious uh, YouTube, you know, essentially YouTube direct release that Film Valor is doing. We're also working on a, a combination of uh, our short films we've done in the past that we're going to release um, almost like the way um, Oat Studios did it with Neil Blomkamp's collection of shorts put together. Um, and we're working on developing a, a number of other feature films that already are in various stages of planning, um, as well as, you know, just yeah, promoting right. these and writing. Yeah. yeah. Well, and we have uh, three other movies out there. We, we said No Fear, K-N-O-W-F-E-A-R. Uh, Sunset and the Depths, and they're all on releasing now via Film Valor, but also via Film Hub. Yeah, yeah, on platforms. So you said Film Valor and Film Hub. Film Hub is the releasing mechanism for Sunset, the Depths, and No Fear, and they're doing a great job. They have it on Plex, they have it on Tubi, they have it mm -hmm. on a million other places, Apple TV. So they're they've been great help to us. That's fantastic. Well, you guys, thank you so much. Pleasure speaking to you. Yeah. You guys, it has been the best. I can talk horror all day, honestly. <laughs> Glad that you decided to put Nellie in because it it literally was my favorite. Mm -hmm. And I love that you filmed it in your basement. I would have loved to have that conversation with your super. Like, <laughs> yeah, you didn't like well, it probably. <laughs> well, we were just saying before is uh, imagine Alicia, the woman who played a uh, played yeah. part. Yeah. Imagine her. Uh, getting a, a call saying, hey, we want you for this role. And then she finally uh, gets a script or whatever. She comes to our house. Up and, she, and yeah, and she, she's surrounded by, what, three guys. One's the cop. And she mm -hmm. goes down the stairs and she sees all this chains and blood. <laughs> she yes. thinks, this is, I didn't come here for, for a movie. I, she's like, I'm, I'm going to come here. It might be weird. It might be awkward yeah. for her. Yeah, yeah, I think it probably was, but she was professional enough not to but say But Nelly was fun. I, and yeah, you know, it takes attention off a little bit to the other ones. Yeah, we're glad you said that because it was probably the biggest risk. I yeah, mean, and, and that's what we that's what we were aiming for with that. Exactly. Is, you know, just ease it off, but still have a little bit of, you know, you know, it, it, let it lurk in the back of your head or, you know, a little bit, but not too much. Yeah. So we were well, very. Well, for sure, because it, it definitely like took the like let a little bit of my anxiety air out. But also, as you're thinking about it, you can still be like, well, that was really cool on the beach when he said or it didn't erase the rest of it. If that makes sense. That's what we were hoping. Yeah. Because yeah, it yeah, wouldn't sort of like, you know, kick us, you know, because you don't want to yeah. trip on the way out the door. And that's <laughs> the way an ending of a movie is. You always yeah. sort of try to punch one last time and it's got to be a knockout. Otherwise, it just doesn't work. And so with Nelly, it was like the opposite type of you're thinking. punching in a dark room. Yeah. So you're like, okay, this is either going to be a major punch or it's going to be it's a gonna, trip out the door. Is it going to land? You know, so it, it's tricky, but, you know, you hope that you've, you've delivered in the genre elements enough to satisfy an entertaining piece. And that's really all you could hope to do at the end of the day. It's gotta be fun. Otherwise no one wants to be there. So that's the thing we try to aim at. Job well done. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks a lot. You guys have a wonderful night and thank you for joining me. You too. Thank take you. Care. You too. Take thank care. You. Bye.